0: As Jamie said, I'm one of the leaders here at the Vine Church, and my name is uh, Tim. Uh, so we are carrying on our series of God's name. So this is week five of nine weeks, so we're, we're on the home stretch, as they say. We're nearly at the uh, penalty spot uh, of this series. And have you enjoyed this series? Yeah, I hope I hope there's been bits of it it has been really good. It's been a very in-depth series, which has been purposeful, and why we're doing that, because we want to know more about who God is. Because I think often we know God is love, you know, God is slow to anger, but we know it, but we don't know why. So then when, like, hard times come, we just, you know, we, just, we, just, we don't rely on it as much as if we knew why we knew it, we are more likely trust in why we know it, if you know what I mean. The no, no, no. Uh, but we're looking at the book of Exodus. It's a remarkable book. And I just want to give us a quick recap of what's going on. Exodus uh, chapter 1 to chapter 18 is all about God saving his people from Egypt towards the promised land. He's taken them out of slavery, out of bondage, out of fear, out of suffering, all the way to the freedom and the liberty and also a place where they can truly worship their God it wasn't just about the freedom and liberty it was also about the worshiping their God and I love Dave Gordon's comment I listened back on the podcast in the week where he said what is your Egypt where is God taking you because I believe in all the time in our life God is moving us forward you get to like a place you think yes and then it's like oh he's doing another thing in my life Maybe it's through your workplace, maybe it's through something else, maybe it's through something inside us emotionally. But that great question and challenge that Dave Gould gave us last week, what is your Egypt? Where is he taking you? So that's chapters 1 to 18, and God has called this man called Moses. And it'll be Moses there when the plagues come. It'll be Moses there leading the people through the Red Sea. And by the way, they reckon it was about 2 million people two million people, you know. And then we get to uh, number 19, chapter 19. And this is what's going on. God says to build, um, sorry, at chapter 19, God gives this uh, promise, this covenant to the people. Uh, Moses is up the Mount Sinai with God, and God says to Moses, uh, if, if my people, obey the commandments, the teachings. They will be a great nation. He's saying to them, if, if the people uh, obey what I'm about to give them, the 10 commandments, I will make them a nation and other nations will look at them to see who, who I am. And the people are like, yeah, we're up for that. We will obey your commandments. So therefore, uh, we will be a, a great nation. And then in chapters uh, 25 all the way to 31, God gives the people, uh, Moses, the Zat blueprint to build a tabernacle, a bit like this, well, exactly like this one. And in chapter 25 to uh, sorry 30, uh, 25 to 31, yes, correct. He gives a Zat blueprint, and it was this place where God was going to meet with His people, His presence was going to dwell. If you remember back into Genesis, Genesis, Adam and Eve are walking with God; they have perfect harmony with God. His presence is there. Sin entered into the world, and his presence wasn't in the same way. It was going to be different because of the effect of sin. But God said, I want to meet with my people again. So he says to Moses in chapters 25 to 31, this is what I want you to build so I will meet with my people. But the people started to get a bit frustrated. Moses is taking too long at the mountain. This is taking too long to build. So they say to Moses' brother, could you build us a golden calf and, and uh, so that we could worship him? So, they, so Moses' brother Aaron uh, builds a golden calf, and they start to worship him. But uh-oh, there's a problem. Because remember, one of the Ten Commandments is don't worship other gods. And they've started to do that. So God gets a bit annoyed. He gets a bit frustrated. But Moses says, don't don't get angry with them. Don't don't push them away. But instead, give us a new covenant. Show us your love. And then we get to Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. And Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Moses says this to God. Show me your glory. He's saying to God, I want to know you more. I want to experience more. I want to know more of your presence. And it's really interesting because Moses is the guy that has seen God in a burning bush. Moses is the guy that's seen multiple miracles. He's the guy that's heard an audible voice of God. And, you know, I don't think many of us in this room could have had more, uh, as, as much experiences of God like Moses has had. But he wanted more of God. And God says to Moses, my goodness will pass before you. And this is where we get to. What does God do? Well, in Exodus chapter 34, uh, he says this in 6 and 7. He says, The Lord, the Lord, the merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, or maintaining love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents and the third and fourth generation. See, when Moses met with God on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, he meets with a God who has described himself. It's like God is saying, this is who I am. This is my name. This is, this is my character. And actually, from this point on, we get people like David and Jonah and Joel, and, and then we get Jesus, the personification of this, of this thing. Who is God? This is why they would be able to proclaim that God is slow to anger, that is rich in mercy and he's gracious. This is how we know this is our God. And this morning, I want to take us upon the next step on this journey, on maintaining love and faithfulness, maintaining love and faithfulness. This is God's name, that he maintains love and faithfulness. See, relationships are really built upon love and faithfulness. Whether that's a relationship between a mother and a daughter, a husband and a wife, or even two really close friends, they're built upon love and faithfulness. And actually, love and faithfulness are vital for any healthy relationship. And I don't think any of us would argue against that. If you were to take love or faithfulness from any relationship, I think it would be hard for that relationship to thrive or even survive. But actually, it will probably die if you take away love and faithfulness. But I wonder, have you ever asked yourself the question, what is love? What is love? Have you ever sat down at home, and you sat on your sofa, don't turn the TV on, and said, what is even love? When I started preparing for this sermon, the first thing that came into my, line, in my mind is that song. What is love? Don't you know? Well, whatever it is. I actually did listen to it whilst I was preparing for this to get me in the mood. But what is love? I, I remember a time that me and Becky, we were walking to the park, from our house, which is not a long way, it's about less than a five minute journey, uh, walk to the park, we weren't going for ourselves, by the way, it wasn't just me and Becky playing in the park, uh, we were taking the boys, and we're walking to the park, and Becky says this to me, she says, Tim, do you love me? And of course I said, yes, of course I do, sounds a bit of a weird question, and then it got me thinking, and I was thinking, what is love? I said this to her, I said, what is even love? I said, what is Love. Is it something you know, that we feel? Is it something that we touch? Is it, is it sexual? Is it words? Is it something like, I washed the car last week? That is my showing of love. And I said this to her, I said, what is love? I'm that kind of guy that just, you know, someone asks you, do you love me? I'm like, what is even love, though? Come on, let's think about it. But is it all of those things? Like, this is the ingredients to a great recipe of love. It's a few words every so often. It's a bit of touching, you know, and it's a bit of, I washed the car last week, you know, honey, I did some good stuff. Is that the perfect ingredients for the recipe of love? And actually, post that uh, conversation, this question, what is love, came on my mind constantly. And I would often say to Becky, this was a few months ago, I would often say to her on a weekly basis, what is even love? What is love? Who knows? You know, when I say to each other, I love you, what am I saying? Maybe I've just only had this problem um, in life. But God describes Himself and His character as His maintaining love and faithfulness. And God uses this word in the Hebrew as has said, has said love, to describe what's going on here. See, has said love, it combines two ideas. Of love and commitment. In other words, it's, in other words, my love is not based upon you. It's saying, I will love you regardless of how you respond to me. Even remarkably, of how you feel about me. It's intentional. It's a purposeful choice. I will love you even if you do not give me anything back. That's her said love. It's a choice. It's choosing to say, I will love you, even if you don't give me nothing at all back. Any words, any touch, any thoughts, I will love you. It's a steadfast love. It's an unfailing love. It's a committed love. It's a loyal love of God. It's the covenant love of God. This is what God is describing Himself. He said, I have a covenant love for my people. I have a covenant love for my people. Let's just hold on to that point for one moment. The next word, faithfulness, is His amet. Amet in the Hebrew, which is often translated either as faithfulness or trustworthy. It has the idea of reliability. You can count on God Yahweh. He won't let you down. He is trustworthy and faithful. But let's go a step further. Because when you put these two words together, chesed and Amet, it's like rubbing wood together, and it causes a fire. If you put these two words together, it will cause a fire. Because in language... And I'd bet someone like Andrew Phillips can speak much more about this and better than I can. But there's a, there's a language device called Hendidis. Hendidis. And this is what it does. If you put two nouns together and you, they are smashed together, they help define each other. So for example, God's love is his faithfulness, and God's faithfulness is his love. Does that make sense? God's love is his faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is his love. So because he's put these two, love and faithfulness together, they strengthen each other. They cause a fire. See, this is where the English translation of love, like many of us know, is so weak. It's really weak. See, when we read love, many of us think of feelings. We think of, oh, God, he he loves me. He's nice. It's a warm feeling of emotion towards us. But it is that, but it's so much bigger than that. Has said and amet is God's loyalty to you. That he will never abandon his people. He will be faithful to the bitter end. That's what's going on here. It isn't such a warm feeling. It's about the covenant love of God. It's the loyalty of God. So God is saying to Moses... But he's also saying to us today that I have a loyal covenant towards you. I have a loyal love covenant towards you. I just want to look at this passage in Genesis chapter 15 for a moment. And you don't need to turn down. I'm going to quickly summarize. You can if you want to, but Genesis 15. And it's a weird, crazy but powerful passage. And actually, most people skip over it. They don't, we don't really talk about it in church, but it is so powerful. And let's just work back a bit. Genesis 12, Abraham. Abraham, uh, God made a covenant with Abraham, and he says this, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you a, uh, your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curse you, I will curse. All the people on earth will be a blessing through you. This is Genesis 12. This is a promise to God to Abraham. What's going on here? If you look, there's a pattern. God is saying that if I will bless, I will bless you, Abraham, and then you will be a blessing to the people, to the world. And that's the same for us. God will bless us, and we'll be a blessing to the people. But it's going to start with Abraham's family but wait a minute, Abraham doesn't have any children. And this is very interesting, Because God obviously gave him a promise before to him and Sarah that they would have children. And he's like this to God. He's saying, God, we are still OAPs here. You know, we're still old. And you're promising us children. Just let you know, if you're an OAP, you've still got hope. (laughs) But you're promising us a children. And he's like, God... You haven't kept your side of the bargain. Because he gave them the promise that you will bless us with children, but they haven't come yet. So how are we meant to be a blessing to many nations? Where are the children? And in Genesis 15, God tells Abraham to gather some animals. So what does he do? He gathers a boar, a goat, and a ram, and a few birds. And these animals are going to be for sacrifice. And Abraham cuts the animals in half, and he spreads them on the ground, not to have a barbecue, by the way. But in ancient Near East, this was called cutting the covenant. And this was a common uh, practice in those days. See, they would cut animals in half, and they would lay them in a parallel line. So for example, right, so they would lay, you are a bunch of animals today. Uh, You are dead animals cut in half. And you are a bunch of animals today, dead and cut in half, and your blood is spilling out. And what would happen is, literally, I would stand one side, and for the purpose of the thing, you know, if you say Maureen, Maureen, being God, well, uh, comes, and you would meet each other, and basically, you're saying, I will keep my side of the contract. If I don't keep my side of the contract, I'm going to be like a dead animal. I will have to die for it. That's what's going on. So basically, this was a common practice. You know, for example, say um, say in those days, I was going to sell a load of land and a load of cattle. Quite common in those days. I would say, I will give you this much money on this day to show you that I will keep to my promise. We will kill some animals, lay them half out, and then we'll meet each other half. And if I don't keep to my promise, I'm going to give you that money, I will be like one of those dead animals. Does that make sense? So that's what's going on here. Uh, it's called cutting the covenant, quite a common practice. But a bizarre turn happens when Abraham, this is God doing this, falls asleep. And as Abraham falls into a deep sleep, Abraham sees this vision of God as a smoking firepot. And he's walking through these animals all by himself. So he's like he's 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 done this practice, and now in his deep sleep, he has this vision of God like a smoking firepot what's going on here? See, even if Abraham and his children don't keep their end of the bargain, he will still keep his promise. This is what's going on here, God is saying. He will rescue and save the world no matter the cost. And if blood has been spilled, it won't come from Abraham, it will come from God himself. Are you getting this? So basically, he's saying that he's seen this vision That if we are going as people, we're going halfway, and then God's coming the other halfway. He's saying that, he's saying, if you don't keep your promises, if you don't keep what you're going to say you're going to do, if you don't live up to what I've called you to live up to, you know, I will die for you. It won't be you that needs to die because you haven't kept your end of the bargain. It will be me who dies. And this was the foretelling of Jesus coming. Jesus said, God myself will die. Jesus is coming. And this is God's has said love. He's saying, I will keep my promises even if you don't. If you become disloyal, I will remain loyal even if I have to sacrifice myself. This is just crazy because this is like thousands of years before Jesus even came on this earth. But God knew what was going to happen. But I want to take this one step forward. Proverbs 3. Turn there with you if you've got a Bible. Proverbs 3, chapter 3, 4. God has a said love for us. But this is what Proverbs 3, verse 3, uh, chapter, sorry, chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Let it never leave you. Proverbs chapter 3. Let it never leave you. Put it around your neck like a necklace. I haven't worn a necklace in many years. I wore a necklace when I was a teenager, you know, 12 years old. It was fashionable there. But you put it around your neck, put it on your heart. He's, you know, Solomon here writes this proverb. He's literally saying, don't let love and faithfulness leave you wherever you go. Because if it's round your neck, it's on your heart, you you cannot be without it. This is the challenge for us. See, I wonder if this Hesed love, this loyal love, has become harder for people to grasp nowadays. See, love for us is like dating, it's romance. It's like a candlelit dinner at a restaurant or or a nice walk across the beach whilst you hear the sea come in. See, we focus on love as a short term. Is this because lifetime loyalty has become so rare? More and more of us are growing up in homes that are broken. And we lose the ability to imagine a lifetime of love, or even a love that never ends. So more and more Christians even talk about their relationship with God as like a romance. We reminisce about the days when we accepted Christ. We fondly remember all those years ago, oh, this and this and this, and it's like it's a dating instead of a long-term marriage. But I know this, for better or for worse, God will always stay loyal towards me. In many ways, he's stuck with me. See, when life gets hard so many of us bail out. When it's no longer easy, fun, or novel, when it gets difficult and uncomfortable and boring, we just leave. We leave our jobs, we leave our towns, we leave friendships, we leave churches, we even leave marriages. We just cut ties and move on. And we've all become from a generation where we just text, which increases flakiness even more. And the question is, do you have love and faithfulness around your neck and on the tablet of your heart? That's the challenge from Proverbs chapter 3. Do, do, do you have a loyal love to your, to your spouse, to your kids, to your friends? What God has called you to do, do you show the same love and faithfulness? Because it's funny, because this is what the passage said, you all win favor in favoring the sight of God and man. See, if we truly believe that we were in favor with God and man, we would work harder to show a loyal love of faithfulness and to show it to the people and the things God has called us to do. Because we would all want favor with God and man. I don't think we would argue against that. See, but thankfully, God has this loyal love towards us. It's her said love. And God remains love and faithful, loving and faithful throughout our whole lives. I just want to give you a quick um, demonstration. This is a a ladder, as you can tell. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes life can be like a ladder. You know, you're just working up and down this ladder. Uh, We haven't done a risk assessment for this. But we've got an insurance policy. We've got an insurance policy, so don't worry about it. Um, but life is a bit like this ladder. We start off in life and we've done our schooling and then we've met that person. Oh, that person. We take the first step of life. And then, you know, we get that job we've always wanted. We take another step. And then, you know, life gets a bit hard. Oh, I'm struggling to pay my bills this month. Oh, we're going down a step. And then, oh, oh, oh but, you know... You know, I did make, you know, some new friends at church this week. Oh, go up another step. Oh, and then, uh, then oh, oh, apparently, um, apparently we've got, we're, we're having a child. Oh, 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 go up another step. And th- then, and then I get, I've got a bit, I've got, I've got a long-term illness. Oh, go down another step. You know, and life is about going up and down, up and down, oh, down a few paces. Oh, I'm back up again. And soon we find ourselves so discouraged with life, we get tired with life, and this just causes more worry because we're just going up and down a ladder like it's an emotional roller coaster. And that's why we get so discouraged. That's why we get so tired of life and so filled with worry because our life is just uh, just focused upon the emotion of going up and down. But I've, don't worry, guys, I've got grandkids coming. You know, go up another step. wall's it's getting a bit scary up here. I'm not going to lie. You know, and it's like we want to get to the top step. Can I tell you something? Don't, don't do it. Don't do I won't do it. do way. But seriously, can I tell you something? That top step, that's heaven. We don't live in heaven. That's the perfect place where there is no fear. There is no pain. There is nothing like that. You know, and, but we're just focused on getting to the next step. Oh, I'm going to get, you know, a bit more money in my job, go back down again. And life is just so hard because we're just going up and down this ladder, up and down the next thing. But this is it, right? This is what John says in chapter 16. John says in chapter 16 this. Hopefully I've got it. Jesus asked them, do you now believe? And he's not actually saying, do you now believe? I like question them. He said, now you believe. He's saying, now you do believe. Now you believe, behold, the hour has come, and indeed it has come, so it's here. You will be scattered into his own home. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is really interesting, because Jesus is saying, you will now scatter. So church... At about 11.45 or whatever time you go home, you are scattering. You're scattering to your own home. You're scattering to the world God has called you to live in. You're scattering to the world. And he's saying that it's going to be tribulation. This is to his disciples, by the way, which we are now his disciples. And then he said, but you should have peace because I have overcome the world. See, the guarantee in this life is that everything's going to die one day. You know, it's just going to happen. I'm going to die, you're going to die, you, you know, we're all going to die one day. You know, the guarantee is that we'll probably lose a job one day, you know, and we could feel, uh, we, could, we could just keep going down this ladder, down this ladder, and feel like a bottom of the pit. But actually, what keeps us in this life is actually be content with what, who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. Because otherwise you'll be going up and down and your life would just be like a roller coaster. And I think, how do you have contempt? It's knowing who you have contempt in. And that's the love of God. The loyal love of God. Right to the end, he will be there for us. Right to the end. I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. And he says this. The God, this, sorry, through the mountains, though, sorry, though the mountains Be shaken, and the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love, her said love, for you will not be shaken. Saying everything's going to disappear. Everything, church. But his loyal love for his people will never disappear. His love for you is so crazy and so relentless. It's unbelievable. You know, I could get a thesaurus and start, you know, saying these words. But it wouldn't even be enough. Because he loves us so much, and he is loyal, even if we don't stay loyal. This has said love will outlast us all. But this is the thing, we need to rest and be and trust in this love, because otherwise we're just going to be going up and down, up and down, and we will get tired. We will get discouraged. We will because have more worry in our lives, because it's all based upon this ladder going up and down in life. But actually, if we can say, I relax, and I will be uh, comfortable, and I will be trustworthy in this Hassed love, this loyal love of God for his people. And it hasn't just started with us, by the way. You know, it started with Abraham, which is about, about 5,500 years ago. 5,500 years ago, God's been loving his people. And now, he's still loving us. I find that crazy, absolutely crazy. So this is the challenge for the week. God has scattered us into the world, to our very homes. And the challenge is to be able to rest and be even amongst the good things and the bad things of life, even amongst going up and down the ladder of life, is to say that I I relax in the loyal love of God for me. But at the same time, as the proverb says, is that I wanna be show love and faithfulness to the things God has called me, the people around me, but also the things God. I want to show that love and faithfulness. Because because of that, then for I will win favour with God and man. That's what the promise is. Let me pray for us, and we're gonna um, we're gonna finish up soon. So let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you. You have this said love for us, a loyal covenant love for us that cannot be broken. Even though if we break our side of the bargain, you will sacrifice yourself. And I thank you, Jesus, you did. But I pray that you would help us to be and relax in this said love, this loyal love. That we wouldn't get tossed and turned and up and down this ladder of life which we know is a certain. But Lord, that we would just be in your love and rest in your love. Lord God, help us this week with the work that we've got to do, with our families and friends, when we're just in the middle of the night and we just wake up in the middle of the night. Help us in all these times, Lord, uh, as we are scattered, Lord God, just to be able to enjoy your Hessed love, your loyal, loving, covenant love for us. We thank you, Lord God. Amen.